When I found out I was gonna be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonaco joins to answer an important question. Is America ready for a male president? Then it's an OG hysteria reunion when Kieran Deal, Grace Parra, and Megan Gailey stop by to talk about what the American dream means for kids trying to go to college. Is meritocracy real or a lie we tell ourselves? Then, as always, the hills will die on. Little housekeeping to get things started. First, if you have a hill that you'll die on that you want to submit to the show, just record a 30-second voice memo and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. Second item, we are definitely working on merch for you guys, and you will be the first to know when I have an update. We're working on it. We promise. Third, if you like what you're hearing, if you listen every week, please rate us and leave comments on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast. Now let's get started. Hi, Alyssa. Hey. How are you doing? Have you landed back... Where you belong. I feel like I'm singing a song right now. You are. I'm here at my kitchen table, just like on the Twitter machine. That's well, kitchen table part's good. Twitter machine kind of bad. Yeah. (laughs) What are we going to do? Today's going to be like rant central. And that actually kind of that leads me to the the news that I wanted to talk about with you this week. Oh, no. Uh, There's a question that's been on my mind since it's been on my mind for a little while. But the, the question is this. Is America ready for a male president? Are we ready for the emotional upheaval of the talk of a potential male president? I think that's a that's a related question um, because Twitter is is a place where I've been experiencing a lot of people's reaction to candidates declaring themselves. First of all, let me just start by saying like women and specifically women of color, young women, unmarried women have been the backbone of the Democratic Party for a very long time. And they were the engine behind the Democratic Party's 2018 wins. And they're the face of the new Democratic Party. And so when people like Bernie Sanders and Beto O'Rourke declare their candidacy, there's a certain part of the party that isn't that excited about it. Right. And the question is is like, you don't have to be excited about it, right? Like, this is what I'm having a real hard time with right now, is that this is like the crawling stage, right? If this was like, if if 2020 was a baby, we'd barely be crawling right now, definitely not on solid foods. And so while everyone is sitting and reading about people and learning about people, if the white bro is not for you, just writ large, then just learn about all the other people running and make the affirmative case, right? I find myself trying to gauge when I'm reacting to the candidate themselves and when I'm reacting to the coverage of the candidate. And those are two different, those are two different things. It's, am I reacting to Beto O'Rourke's 
policies, or am I reacting to the fact that Beto O'Rourke has been afforded a little bit more seriousness by the media than women with similar amounts of experience? And I think that it's the latter, and 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 I and I hate to have the latter spill into the way that I react to the former. And I, mm-hmm. I think that that's something that I'm seeing happening, and it's something that I'm trying to make a conscious decision to. Uh, separate myself from. But it's really hard because it feels like the media hasn't really learned its lessons. Agree. And, you know, look, there was a lot of fervor around, like, I think Beto's probably the best example of like the polarizing or outsized coverage right now. And it's like, look, this is a man who ran against one who ran against someone who ran for president against Donald Trump, right? So more people in America knew who Ted Cruz was than they would have a couple years ago. And of course, then they know more about the man who took on Ted Cruz. Now, to me, it's like, you know, Beto's out there, there's enthusiasm, there's a lot of backlash, like, he's just speaking in platitudes and he's just about enthusiasm and people aren't giving Elizabeth Warren enough credit. Well, and, and, and not paying enough attention. Well then cover her more, you know, I mean like for you, I don't know about you, you are probably more intellectual than I am, but I have really gone (laughs) down. You're welcome. I've gone down the rabbit hole trying to learn about everything that Warren is talking about. And it's fucking brilliant. Like Mm -hmm. she's so smart. Like, But the thing is, is if the coverage isn't going to help break down what she's talking about so that people who don't spend all day on the Twitter machine can understand what she's saying, and they're just showing clips of the man giving the speech because it's rousing. And if you're in the kitchen and you hear it on the television, you're going to look because it's interesting. Mm. So... I just, I don't know. I found the whole thing so frustrating. I'm so frustrated. Right. It feels like you're, when I'm paying attention to my own reaction to things, I feel like I'm watching myself tie myself up in knots because on one hand- Wrapped around the axle. Exactly. (laughs) On one hand, I like this candidate. I like that he's inspiring. On the other hand, I don't like that he is getting an outside amount of attention. On the third hand, now I have three hands. He is, uh, <laughs> the fact that he's getting attention might mean that he's our best hope. But on the fourth hand, maybe the person who would have the best outcome. And it just becomes this whole, this little tornado of of trepidation. And I, and I don't like feeling that way. And I think... I I don't know how to untangle it and I don't know how to to extract myself from it. I just kind of stand back and watch it happen and think, I don't like this. I don't like it and couldn't agree more. Let's move on to the next news item. I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on this because the more I think about it, the more creeped out I get. Yes. We're going to talk about Scott Lloyd, who is Donald Trump's appointed head of the Office of Refugee Resettlement or the OR. You know, I've been I have been preaching about him for a year. Yes, he is among the the weird, creepy, anti-choice zealots that Donald Trump quietly installed in places like Health and Human Services and the ORR. Uh, so Scott Lloyd was removed from his post um, after an ACLU lawsuit exposed that he mishandled reporting abortion requests from migrant teens. So these are not these are not adults. These are legal children, and they are pregnant, and they have requested abortions and Scott Lloyd has made it his mission to 
interfere with their right to have an abortion. So he's been removed from his post. But in 2018, 18 unaccompanied minors sued the ORR while Lloyd was still in charge after being denied abortions. Lloyd argued that they had no legal right to terminate their pregnancies, even though some of those pregnancies were because of rape. And last week, Rachel Maddow uh, reported exclusively that Lloyd and the ORR had been tracking the pregnancies and periods of refugee women ages 12 to 17 as recently as June 2018. Holy shit. Yeah. He's a horrible person. He's always been a horrible person. He was utterly unqualified for the job. Like, Aaron, the the Trump administration went to such lengths as to pick someone to head the office of refugee resettlement who finds refugees repugnant. Yeah. And he also has uh, written in the past that birth control should be illegal. (laughs) Birth control should be illegal. You should never have sex. If you get raped, it's your fault. And under all circumstances, you should have the baby. So this man was in charge of resettling refugees, had no experience uh, and was tracking their periods, was tracking their pregnancies. The spreadsheet, which was obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request, contains really, really creepy information that could actually be used to identify the women, including their location, the gestational age, when they cross the border. Uh, the document, this is maybe, it's not funny, but it's just one of those things that I have to laugh when I read it. The document misspelled the word menstrual, M-E-N-S-T-R-A-L which is a perfect encapsulation to me of the Scott Lloyd School of Anti-Choice thought. He, I mean, well, first of all, when you think about what the office is supposed to be doing, you know, like resettling refugees, whose job is it to track the periods of these women? I mean, I need to be honest. I really, at 43, have a hard time even tracking my own period. So like, who is the Aunt Lydia that they hired to handle this part of the operation at the ORR? That is a great question. And I also have another question. We had a difficult time, according to the administration, we had a difficult time tracking children, living born children who had been separated from their parents. So why are we capable of tracking periods and pregnancies and not living born children? That seems like such a disconnect to me. I would say that connection you just made could win you a Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> the the problem with Scott Lloyd and Alyssa, you brought this up, is that people have been pointing out a problem with him for a long time. Why do you think that it took so long for him to be A, removed and B, for the general public to care? The same reason that it takes everything, because in the grand scheme, right, in the grand scheme of everything this administration is doing, This is like, you know, a way below the fold story. It's been on the back burner, but in terms of like immediate crises that they create so that they can, you know, they escalate so that they can de-escalate, this one has just been like at a low simmer, but for a year. And so now, you know, I think that finally the story has gotten its due, but I mean, I think you and I have been talking about this as an underreported story for almost a year. Right. And when you're a woman who has a pregnancy that you want to terminate, there is nothing more important to you than to be able to control what happens inside of your own skin. And I, and I hate that stories that relate to women not having a right to what happens inside of their bodies become backburnered because when that's you... That is the most important thing in the world. And it sucks that 
We're in a society where we constantly push aside the immediate and bodily needs of women. And what we can say is bye, bitch, to Scott Lloyd. Yes, that's a hearty bye, bitch, to Scott Lloyd. And uh, opposite of bye, bitch, to you, because we are out of time for the news this time. All right. Loved loved the Hysteria gang. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. We have to take a break, but when we come back, more Hysteria. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. 
They're very like on oh. a, it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a oh yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm gonna just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah, perfect, perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is like, I think my, my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're. They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland and discover a place that just feels lighter where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. All right, we're back. I'm Erin Ryan, and we are going to personal political this week with a panel of OGs. Hysteria yes. OGs. Yeah. First, Kieran Deal, actor, boom, 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 boom. comedian, boom, creator. Boom, boom, boom. Hello, guys. How you doing? That's a weird way to start. The uh, what? The, that was me. The making, disco siren. Yeah, I made my own siren. <laughs> that boom, 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 boom. All right. <laughs> how are you? How how have you been, man? I'm good. It's nice to see your face. Thanks. Yeah. You, it's okay to see yours. Uh, yeah. Wow. yeah. No, likewise. I just was being a bitch. I don't know why I did that. It's not like America's sweetheart. I mean, no. America's soulmate. America's soulmate. Alyssa, That's Master true. Monaco. Yeah. That's true. Um, okay. Next we have Grace Para. What's up, guys? Hello. How you doing, Grace? I'm so good. My hands are dry. What? I don't know. I just, I'm feeling like I need lotion at this. You, you got to get ever, a lotion in your bag. I got to get a lotion in my bag. I have one on, on my nightstand now. It's, I've been getting um, these gel manicures and I think mm-hmm. that they are making my hands dry. That's probably they're not. Good. If you I put, don't think they are. They're not? Is that wrong? <laughs> I don't think in? so. Is that wrong? If you put lotion on, just don't like rub your hands into the microphone because that'll ASMR. <laughs> this is not an ASMR podcast. This is a regular Yet. podcast. No, it can be. This podcast can grow into be whatever it's going to be. I just whisper into the microphone. <laughs> Next up, we have comedian, actor, funny person rubbing her eye, Megan Gailey. Hi. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. 
Yeah. What have you been up to? Ooh, wow. I've been on the road. I was in your home state. I was in I heard. Appleton, Wisconsin. Ooh. It was flooding, you said. It was flooding and snowing. That's at the same loud. time. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful there. Um, true story. I was on Facebook. I never use Facebook anymore except to see what people from my hometown are up to. Hmm. And somebody from my hometown posted a news story from Barron, Wisconsin, which is on from my neck of the woods in the state. And it was it was local man creates lazy river in own backyard. <gasps> oh, I do like that. And he wow. had because it was flooding and snowing. Yeah. So he had made like rivers around snowbanks and he was floating on an inner tube around it and like holding a beer like, yeah, holding a beer, holding a beer. That's yes. perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. I feel, we can all get behind that. Yeah. I think we can. And the accompanying news story was like, winter's what you make of it. <laughs> That, in that sort of demented end of winter yeah. Yeah. mindset that you get into when you live in the Midwest and you're just like, it's March and it won't stop snowing and it's great. And, and you, the snow is like dirty at that point. That's too. horrible. It's like sweatpants nature's worn all winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gross. Mm. <laughs> it holds on to dirt. And then I was like, I need a vegetable. And they were like, we have wings. Uh, but the, then they were but like, then we have cheese curds. But then you're like, like, yeah, I sold. understand why you're not eating vegetables yeah, for every like you sure. need it's how so are you cold. gotta keep that layer of fat on you you've been hibernating yeah, yeah and so I'll take my LA vegetable wanting ass right on home uh well let's get into a kind of contentious and interesting and thought-provoking topic I was thinking about this morning when I was taking a shower uh Elizabeth Holmes that every who everybody is obsessed with oh, I'm obsessed with her Elizabeth <laughs> I, I wanted her to succeed while doing a different voice than the than the low man, than the low man voice. Blood is how we... That's her kind of yeah. normal voice. I wanted her to have a squeaky voice. That would have been more of a challenge. Yeah, like a Dolores Umbridge. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a lot harder to just carry on for so long. I know. She, she rode sexism into a $9 yes. billion dollar company by yeah. making her voice lower. But I was thinking about Elizabeth Holmes and how everybody is obsessed with her right now. And I was thinking about that in the context of another story everybody's obsessed with, which is the college admissions scandal, which is going into its second week and is still just as delicious as it was on the first day. Yum, yum, yum. The leftovers really keep on really this do. story. They really do. Um, it's like cornbread stuffing. Exactly. Of... It just keeps it keeps getting better or, or like a good curry. It's just the flavors are settling in. And... We're also clinging to it because it's like yeah. the most fun news story there's been in a while. Yeah. It's Kofifi. You know, so we like mm-hmm. need to keep it going. It's Aunt Becky. I mean, how great is that? Like an icon from our childhood just diminished. Right. And her name is Becky, too. Yeah. Her her character name was Becky, which is so perfect for, yeah. for a white lady who's trying to get unearned privilege for her white daughter. Yeah. But that's, I think, at the root of it and the root of what is interesting about the Elizabeth Holmes story and this college admission scandal story, which is it is a story about justice coming to people who got things that they didn't earn through cheating. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about, you know, as we were talking about this story of the admissions scandal, a lot of people brought up the fact that there are many legal ways that rich people kind of cheat their way into college and get a leg up. And that's through uh, living in school districts that afford their children better opportunities. That's through uh, buying buildings. That's through hiring people to write college essays for their kids, et cetera. And, and it's sort of brought up the affirmative action conversation again as well, like legacy admissions versus affirmative action and who gets a leg up and who should, who belongs in college and who doesn't belong in college and how generally fucked up 
the whole process of getting kids into college is. And Karen, I know that when we were kind of group texting about this, you had a lot of thoughts on affirmative action and legacy admissions. And as somebody who went to, well, as one of, I guess everybody here went to a really good school. But as I mean, I went to a fine school. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the major. When you have to say that, not great. Okay. (laughs) But Karen, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on the general state of college admissions and privilege as it applies to people getting into higher education. Uh, I am one woman who went to Harvard. I went to Harvard, um, say it 77 more times. It, I took tried you, to, it took you like five episodes before you let that drop, which yeah, is really rare, impressive. Rare, yeah. yeah, No, I don't think, but I noticed that it's a lot of the men that I know who'll drop it. I think it's an identity marker for people, yeah. but I'm always of the opinion that if like the biggest thing that you've done is gone to an institution that has a legacy of other people who've done dope shit, what have you done? Yeah. What did you do when you were 17 years old? Oh, did you cure cancer? You didn't? Yeah, get the fuck out of my life. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it in ge- like in general. It's like that's not your accomplishment. That's a a privilege and an education that you were able to weaponize. For me, Harvard Harvard was a pretty complicated experience because there are a lot of things I really didn't like about it and then there's some stuff that was really incredible. Um, the reason I can write now is because I got to do uh, like a creative thesis with Jamaica Kincaid, who's like this incredible novelist. And you got to like work one on one with an incredible novelist for a year, which is like a skill that you can really weaponize and understanding that like mentorship can play such a big role in your ability to like kind of galvanize even your own talent. And that's a big thing to me is like, how do you galvanize your own ability? Right. Mm-hmm. And I went in um, and I had just worked really hard and went to a public school and it was like two. 200,000 people and like relatively meritocratic. And then I think getting to Harvard was the first time that I was like, oh shit, this is like, this is pretty rigged. I was mm-hmm. like, it's like mm-hmm. a th- about, I was just very surprised. I knew how hard I had worked and, and the naivete, I think just the naive, I was just naive in that, like, you know, that like rich people exist, but this is the first time that you're like going to school with like the daughter of the head of Blackstone and like, you know, or you're in the theater department with like, you know, a kid who's like, let's just like, Put, pretend to be puppets in a bell tower. And I'm like, I don't think this means anything. And then it turns out that his dad was like one of the lawyers on Apple. So like, he's never going to have to worry about making stuff that's like marketable, marketable ever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like understanding how much that privilege affects your perspective um, and, and that not being disclosed. And then you get there and it was like, it felt like about a third of the place that was like, was legacy, just mm-hmm. like people who go on ski trips and do all that kind of And that is shit. and that is the case that, that Harvard admits a disproportionate amount of it's literally thirty three percent in that it's yeah. a third of them. It's funny because when you describe your, your experience brand. of going there, it sounds like you went from like the scene in a musical where the protagonist comes twirling onto the stage carrying suitcases like here I am to the scene right before the intermission where she's like, fuck this <laughs> within 10 seconds. 100%. It's like Wicked and School Ties combined. Yeah. So, I'm Chris so, O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Chris. Where is my Al Pacino? I'm still looking. <laughs> I think that the the meritocracy question is a really interesting one, too, because it seems as though people who attend uh, really fancy schools or or high profile schools a lot of times come in thinking I deserve this because I of who I am versus I deserve this because I worked hard and I think that's a really interesting 
divide. Grace, what was your experience with that? Well, so I I had a pretty, I was very lucky in terms of my journey to get to Columbia, which is a school that I, that I ended up going to. Um, and I think a big reason is because nobody in my family really had heard of Columbia. I grew up in Houston, Texas, um, which is a big, a big city. Of course, most people who go to school in Houston want to stay in Texas for college. There's a lot of like, are you going to go to UT or A&M? That's the big question. Um, so when I found out about this cool, you know, awesome, highly academically challenging school in New York, I was like, I, I'd like to go there. And then I applied early and got in early. And then it was kind of done. And I think I think for me, it was advantageous because I wanted to get out of Texas and go to New York. I think for Columbia, it was like, oh, we have a Mexican-American girl in Texas. That's something of a rarity because there's a lot of people on the East Coast who tend to want to go to schools like Columbia. So it was win-win for both for both parties. Um, I definitely remember my family explaining Columbia and uh, to our Latin American friends and, and friends in Mexico. They were like, pero por qué? Colombia, because it's like not a safe place. And it's like, no, <laughs> Columbia University. Uh, and that happened more times than I would care to admit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I, so, so I think I but I benefited from my parents not understanding. Obviously, everybody knows Harvard and everybody knows Yale. And, and I think that in certain circles, people definitely do know Columbia. But my, I benefited from my parents not really knowing and for, for me not really knowing what that like what this world was like, because like Kieran, I didn't have the experience of growing up with a lot of wealthy people people who did whatever it would take to get their kids into these schools. Um, my parents certainly valued education by all means, but they were not the parents that were like, they didn't know when the SAT happened. I never saw a tutor. I mm -hmm. uh, never yeah. grew up with this this whole like focus on, on, on um, being, uh, basically gearing your entire adolescence towards getting into the best school possible. Um, they wanted me to go to college for sure, as my older brothers had done. But I, I, the pressure that I see a lot of these kids in this college admissions scam story experiencing the idea of having to basically from the time that you reach, you know, 12 or 13, everything that you do, every move that you make is geared towards getting into this this top school. I didn't experience that at all. So I was free to just do the best that I could do academically and be as interested in things in the world as possible. And then that bred this this amazing experience. Um, but I, I, I also know a lot of kids that I met at Columbia who had who felt this pressure for so many years to try to get into these these schools. And then once you're there, it does kind of feel like a relief. And Karen, I don't know if you felt that, but my experience at Columbia was that there were a lot of lot of students who felt like the hardest part was getting there. And once you're there, then it's like, okay, now you know I don't necessarily have aspirations to go to grad school. So if I only get a three point five GPA, that's fine. Well, once you are there, this is something that I found huh, at Notre Dame um, that there was sort of some grumbling among white students about. Uh, diversity admissions sometimes. Mm. And like my roommates at ND, both of them were Latina. And one of them once had somebody tell her that she was taking somebody's spot. Oh, no. Oh, wow. D did you ever experience it? I mean, that was something that I kind of sensed just among some white students who got in They They thought, you know, I did this, I did this. And then, you know, there, there are quotas. And this is, and, and right now I am not in any way expressing my personal opinions. This is just the way mm -hmm. that you hear people who don't like affirmative action talking about it. Did you ever experience people telling you that you were taking somebody's spot? I didn't personally. I mean, I would argue that a lot of the, a lot, because the the scandal is interesting to me because it's like, it's it's so blatant and it's kind of like when somebody uses a racial slur, it's so blatant. But like the issue, the, the bigger issue, there's like systems at play that everyone is implicated in. So like nobody, nobody at Harvard ever would say to my face, oh, you don't belong or, you know, 
anything like that. But but what does exist is like those final clubs exist. Yeah. Where it's all it's like all like I'm not in the community where somebody would even have that conversation with me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like people once self, you are at Harvard, 100 percent people self segregate enough that like you're not going to be in that conversation with the people who are grumbling about like, you know, what the demographics of the school look like. You mm-hmm. just will not be involved in that conversation. Those are private conversations that are happening behind closed doors mm-hmm. with certain people mm-hmm. who then like might know, you know what I mean? It's like if those any and we talked about this a little bit with sororities. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, how do you how do you matriculate up and out with an education and turn that into a job or turn that into opportunities? And a lot of that is who you know. Uh, I would say ninety percent of that yeah. is who you know. I mean, I mean, that's the advantage of these schools that like has to be stated. And college is almost sort of like the first really tangible example of what will continue to exist for the rest of your life. Sure. You know, we yeah. now work in an industry where. I I look around all the time and I'm like, oh, I'm not competing with other like talented people. I'm competing with other talented people whose whose dad was an executive producer on Law and Order or like ran Warner Brothers. And so college is probably the one that's like the the worst um, because I, I mean, I think college is a sham. Um, I will. I had this conversation with my brother recently. I was like, listen, if my kids want to like go to college specifically to study something. Listen, I'm supporting it. I'm happy for you. My mom taught at a vocational high school and every kid she taught went and had a job immediately after and wasn't a financial burden on themselves or their parents. Like there's a lot of different avenues that you can seek. I went, I I mean, I am an affluent white girl. That's how I grew up. I had, I, my parents were never going to pay $15,000 for someone to take my SATs, but I was given every single opportunity that I could. I went to a state school, and because of that, I pursued a career in creative arts because I did not have the burden of debt yeah. that would yeah. make me enter a traditional field to start carving into that debt. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that, Megan, you bring up a really interesting point about people having opportunities and leveraging them in positive ways versus people having opportunities and just thinking this is just how things are going to constantly exist for me. I'm always going to be able to have all these opportunities. The world owes them to me. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, Megan, I was thinking about what Kieran said earlier about meritocracy. And I almost feel like the illusion of meritocracy exists so that people yes. who are super rich can convince themselves that they've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> that they that I have all of this because I am better than other people. But that's And that's now not my children case. will have all of this because we collectively are we, better than other people. Yes, I mean, that's we, I think an element of this whole story. It, it so much of this is not about the children, it's about the perception that getting your kid into a certain school will give you as a parent. Mm-hmm. So do we believe that America is a meritocracy? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, in no, no, way. no, in no way at all. And I think sometimes, you know, I've I've been really lucky in my life in different ways than, you know, we're all lucky in different ways. The ways that I've been lucky is I grew up in a small town. We didn't have any AP classes, no real uh, property tax base, you know, no real advantages when it came to college prep. I was lucky to be able to succeed enough to get into a good school, which I did not use at all after I graduated. (laughs) I didn't use it. I've never used a Notre Dame um, connection for anything except sometimes people email me and be like, oh, it's cool. You went to Notre Dame. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah, (laughs) that's the connection that I've used in entertainment. And I never used it when I worked in finance. I just I feel like one of the things that I kind of wanted to get into is 
you know, as a as a rural white person who grew up in a, a middle to low income community, I feel like a lot of times people like me are used as anecdotes for why people, uh, why affirmative action shouldn't exist, why mm. people with different racial and ethnic backgrounds shouldn't be given consideration when being admitted to things. Because the argument goes that what happens is people like me, people from Frederick, Wisconsin, who didn't have any AP classes get overlooked. And it's poor white kids that end up getting the short end of the stick. And I'm kind of tired of my story being used to allow, you know, suburban shitheads. The me. The Megan. <laughs> I'm tired of fucking They say Megan the errands, but they mean the Megan. They mean the Megan. <laughs> but, but it's a thing that it's people, people wear the extreme version of, of something they're not yeah. experiencing as reasons that they should have advantages that they didn't earn. And it really, really bothers me. Stop it. I do think the tough thing about this is at some point, the white people doing this have to become aware that they're doing it. And I just think that's not going to happen. Like, how are how are we going to convince these super well-connected, wealthy people that they need to start policing themselves mm -hmm. when they have never done that in the past? And I think it's very hard to— yeah, like, uh, no one was fighting me to get into Purdue. But if someone had come up and been like, Oh, okay, but I am a I am a low income like black girl. I think I should be going to Purdue instead of you. What parent or student's going to be like, "You know what? Take my spot." That's true. But I also think that some of the attitudes that people have toward college is like, I think a lot of parents think of college as an expensive summer camp that they get to send their kid to. Yeah. They just get to. They, I went to that summer camp. Yeah, you don't it, have to go to college. Yeah. You can go and like work for a year. You can you serve can be a YouTuber like Olivia Jade yeah, already like, was. If and you're rich, you can travel. Us. That's what's yeah. so that was crazy. crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, we grew up in an era of like, dare, don't do drugs, don't smoke weed, you're going to go to hell if you do, and you have to go to college. You have to go, like from the first grade on, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. You have to go to college. And you know what? I know a lot of people that didn't need to fucking go to college. Yeah. You know what they're doing now? Nothing. You know who I think is the most interesting? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 Gailey I, drops the mic, walks out does. of the studio. Where's she going? Well, I don't want that to sound shitty, but it's like you just can't assume that you need to be wasting $100,000 to then do... Nothing. It's like a social club, though. People treat it like it's a fun activity to do for four years. And, and then... it's for their parents. Mm -hmm. It's for their parents. To me, the most interesting person in this college admission scandal is not Lori Lachlan, and it's not even her kids. It's not Felicity Huffman. It's this guy, Manuel Enriquez, who's Dominican, who's the only non-white billionaire who's on the list of parents who put his kids through this scam. And to me, that's really interesting because he is <laughs> yeah, himself like, an immigrant. Him. <laughs> that's exactly, honestly, I was I'm like, like, you did it, he's, boo. He's gaming the system. He's yeah. doing what all these white people have been doing. What, how can we blame him as much as we blame the white people in the system when he's really just doing what they've been doing? Yeah. They've set a precedent and he's an immigrant. It's like, well, I guess this is how it has to be done. So I'm going to do it now too. I'm gonna play and the his game. daughter talked actively about how his fa her father gamed the system in order for her to get into Georgetown. I think it was. I, I think it's I think it's fascinating that that's now the side effect that we're seeing that it, that 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 ethnic people that minorities are like, well, I guess if I can't beat them, I'm just going to have to join them. So I'm going to have to now earn a billion dollars so that I can get my my kids into college this way because that's how it's done. I also think there was this. That's the, not even that good of a college for that amount of money. <laughs> well, I mean, wait, what are you even talking about? Well, See, I, like, yeah, I know. People are being upset because there's like there's classism even within, you know, like you are able to say that because you went to Harvard. But then there's people being like USC is a safe 
safety school. And it's like, yeah, but then you're shitting on the school that a lot of people really do want to. So yeah. well, I'm not I'm not saying I disagree with you, but it it's layered. Um, and and you are able to talk about it because you went to the best school in the country. I. I find myself asking the question like about meritocracy a lot because it's like you on a personal level need to each individual, you have to believe enough in whatever system that you're in that you don't stop trying. Do you know what I mean? Like in a way, my biggest advantage was ignorance. I genuinely believed in a meritocracy. Mm -hmm. So I worked my ass off as fucking hard as I could. And I did my very best. Like my mom was always like, just do your best. Just do your best. And wherever you fall, that's chill. Like that was kind of like in in my house. That's like how Sounds I grew up. Sounds so healthy. It's yeah. like, but yeah. it's also like it puts a lot of pressure on you because you're like, then it's like, oh, is that my like, best? Is that my yeah, best? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I give it my best. I mean, what if I put another two hours into this? Well, and you can't give be your best, best to everything. Yeah, exactly. It's and your best is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really think if any individual thinks about like, think about your fucking best. If you're running, what's your best? You're not doing your best every time no. you go to the gym. No, you're not no. doing your best when you're choosing your. We're not even doing our best right now. I'm not even. I haven't even done my best on this fucking podcast I'm a today. Solid we haven't even seen our best work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like we are disappointing ourselves. So it's actually but, and your mother and my mom is also disappointed always. <laughs> Sorry, always a little mom. disappointed. Yeah. But the but I'm saying that because it's like but the result of the ignorance of not knowing about systemic like about this like kind of rigged system is that I did go to Harvard. Lily Singh, I look at somebody like that. I don't think she knew how rigged Hollywood was. Mm -hmm. And it's like and as a result, she's the first late night host who is a woman and a minority ever. Do you know what I mean? Like and so it's this weird catch 22 where America does have upward social mobility where things can change. It's also incredibly rigged. But you on a personal level have to kind of believe that your work can shine through or make a difference or be a thing Mm -hmm. and also acknowledge that a system exists that is going to put you on an incredibly uneven playing field, but not like not necessarily let that affect your everyday actions. Well, a lot of that is your parents and your schools also giving you the freedom to understand that and learn that journey on your own rather than dictating from a young age this is the way it's going to be this is these sure. are the steps you have to mm-hmm. take that, and so t- to that extent I completely agree with you when you say that that ignorance is bliss mm-hmm. that you had in many ways the ignorance to be able to go down that journey yourself I, I think what we're seeing with a lot of these uh, uh, just the, the fact that you can pay 1.5 million dollars to a college counselor that will step in when you're in eighth grade to walk you through every step of the process to get you into the best school imagine the anxiety that, that puts you through from such an early oh, age terrible way to it's go a through ter- terrible high especially, school. Terrible. Especially if you could pay Karen Deal $300,000. <laughs> yeah. She would give you the same service like, I'll for get you 70% less. Ithaca College. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'll, we'll fucking Skype whatever. You know? There is this like to go back to the this Dominican man who's my hero, that is part of <laughs> that is part of the American dream. Yes. Quote unquote, yes. pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Yeah. But part of the American dream that is have immigrants is, raise is your fade, children for you. Of course, Be an immigrant. Have other immigrants fading, raise your children. Is that like 
people always want to give their children a better life than they had. And you hear all the time that we will probably be the first generation that does not have that. You know, like our parents will have nicer houses than we had. And maybe that some of that's because we've lived in a place where it's financially impossible. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe boomers have bled this country. But but it's that slipping away of like, you know, the first time our parents went on a plane, they were 20 and we went on a plane when we were five or whatever. Like those tides are changing. And I do the think the bar was these, lower. Is what yeah, you're I do yeah. think some of these rich people are. Tra- is Olivia Jade going to make as much money as Massimo? No, baby, you're not. Okay, mm-hmm. you're not. You're not. You're never going to. Yeah. But they feel that slipping away mm-hmm. and being like, "Well, I have to set up because <laughs> right." Yeah. It's their hail mary pass. You know, it's interesting how tribal we're seeing people get. Like, I don't yeah. think that we often adhere to familial tribes, but when it comes to college admissions and when it comes to your own legacy, the legacy of your own last name, we are seeing people get fucking vicious. And it's interesting. I I, I don't think that's throughout all societies, because I constantly think about that. It's like the tribe is really humanity. We're like all in it. But we don't see it that way. No, but we don't see it that way Mm -hmm. when it comes to like categorical opportunity. The tribe is everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in the tribe. Everyone's on the planet, that dying planet. We all got to fucking live with this air and this water and shit. And that's the tribe. But tribalism has, because I was like, that's existed in almost since ev- tribes. Since yeah, tribes. Yeah, yeah. Hence our, tribalism. Yeah. In our There's DNA. that Purdue. You get it, What's girl. Yeah. Sociology 101. <laughs> tribalism has existed since tribes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think, Kieran, the, you bring up an interesting point about like kind of idiot confidence. And I mean, and I, by that, I mean like, you know, baby sweet pea crawling through a construction site. That's like the only way to advance in American society. You have to not know all the things that are swinging at you and all the ways that you could fall. That first documentary, same thing. I would never have done a documentary if I knew what a nightmare it was going to be to make one. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Your ignorance being uh, an asset. Yeah. You have to have. It can be an asset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Idiot confidence. You have to just be like, well, I have no idea. Like, I'm just going to go for it. But what's, What's the point at which that that idiot confidence is too much? Like okay. the snow, the snowplow <laughs> parent I, thing I, I of, worked. of protecting your kid from sauce, like mm-hmm. in that New York Times article, yes. which I keep thinking about, is is too much. That's too much ignorance. Don't sure. give your kids the Grace ability. Is to, like, Grace is like, as a fan of a demi glaze. I love a demi glaze. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, idiot confidence turns into hubris at a certain point. People who are able to continue going on from that first win to the second win are the people who have financial, and that's where having wealthy parents makes a massive difference. When you meet someone that has like such a cool job, nine times out of ten, they were able to take an unpaid internship that led to another low-paying job that led to a cool job that now led them to a a very cool cool job. I mean, nepotism is surrounding well us. and then the big I, I the one thing I do want to say is that like this is why I'm always saying everything's a construct mm-hmm. like money that's why I that's really why I say it it's like it's like everything it's all made up mm-hmm. none of it is real you don't need a fancy car you don't need to indicate wealth to other people like you need enough to live but like it's like really genuinely like it's all a construct. It's mm-hmm. it's like Harvard is a construct that somebody made up. It's mm-hmm. all a construct, man. I really want to do. It's all a fucking construct, man. Yeah. I do a lot the of money. I just can't now. believe you live in LA, here. the place that invented the construct. This is, yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. This podcast is a construct. Everything's a construct. <laughs> but I want to I want to go back to um, something that I was. That's right, Aaron. You got it. <laughs> Ooh, that was almost Elizabeth Holmesy. That's you. right. That's Aaron. right. Aaron. You got it. Thank but you. going back to Elizabeth Holmes and going back to the kind of collective 
glee we're all getting from these people being exposed makes me wonder why why are we so gleeful? I don't know a single person who's like, guys, hear Olivia Jade out. Nobody. <laughs> Even people who themselves possibly benefited from mm. something like that. Everybody is trying to otherize these people. Why do you think that we're experiencing so much joy in watching people who have something that they didn't earn being taken from them? Because hot, rich people are the easiest people to hate. You think? I think. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a big reason. I mean, but there are hot rich people that everybody loves. Like why do we hate these specific hot rich people? Well, because because how much they know so, that they are hot and rich. It's ex- I mean, I think about that in terms of like athletes getting in trouble a lot. Athletes now get in trouble if there's a videotape. And um, and so like if there's not a videotape, people are like, I don't know. I didn't see him hit his wife. I don't know if it happened. Mm. But then when you see it. So with this, we are seeing the videotape of how these people were able to rig the system. And I think it's an example of 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 how we all know that you can you can say it so many times that meritocracy doesn't quite exist even though there's there is upward social mobility more than a lot of countries have america has it that's why it's considered the land of opportunity but it's like an example like this one shows you it's like very it's like it's like oh we've been told just work hard like there's this there's the american dream is really baked into the narrative of this country it's it's mm-hmm. like i can even know that it's not a meritocracy but i like don't believe it in my heart mm-hmm. you know what i mean because it's been so baked in this idea of like anything anything is possible in america this mm-hmm. the, the aspirationalism of this country is one of its biggest exports all around the world in a way that's really beautiful this is an example of like people are feeling it in their lives right like people are feeling it because they're not able to save or they can't buy a house or, you know, they're struggling. They're like, God damn, I'm working so hard and I don't have all the things I want. I'm going to Costco and now I got to return, you know. Well, this, they got a Costco membership. They're like doing it, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Karen, as soon as it took a Costco turn, I'm like, this is based on personal experience. <laughs> I was just thinking about being in the line of returns at Costco and I was oh. like, I, I mean, the shelf was $40. It's wild. I don't yeah. I mean, who, who, who am I, a queen? Return the shelf. You, you know why, why I think that we're getting so much glee from this? Because we we can't, as individuals, necessarily bring legal justice to these people, but in the public sphere, we can shit on these people on Twitter constantly, mm-hmm. and we can bring them public justice. In other words, we can collectively do something to make ourselves feel better about the situation, and that is calling them out and talking about it, making jokes about them. Uh, and so there's no ne- there's no legal... Re- what I'm curious about is ultimately what the legal recourse is, but what I know has already happened is a tarnishing of their reputations, mm-hmm. and that's something that we've all contributed to. So that's part of why it feels so good. It's because it's a public shaming. Right. And the hard living truth of like, um, the system is rigged. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like the living proof of that. And, right? and, and, and it's so hard to find, uh, to find like sympathy, you know, and that's where I think we do have to turn the mirror on ourselves and say like, I don't want this to get too kumbaya, but kumbaya. you know, what, what, what <laughs> systems are in place? That's not even the tone. <laughs> I was singing it Not like Elizabeth. I was singing it like oh, Elizabeth Holmes. You're sad. I, you didn't <laughs> teach that at Harvard. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. No wonder you didn't get into Juilliard. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go for singing, Aaron. This is what this is the part of hysteria where we bully each other. Yeah, but that's but good. mostly we but mostly that. Kieran, but mostly bully Kieran. Yes. Okay, yes. I see. I see how it is. <laughs> um, so we're not going to get too kumbaya, but even though we just did, even though we just did, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. What was I gonna say? Oh, oh, that that like we do have to look at why it is that we are not allowing ourselves to find sympathy for these people. I understand that we all again, we have every reason to feel 
that these people deserve to be mocked and and uh, deserve to be ridiculed. And I think it's fine for us to do that. But also at some point, do we have to take a look at what led them to this chain of events and what we can do to prevent that down the road mm-hmm. um, for, uh, for for everybody? And, and I don't think the answer is the Manuel Enriquez. Megan Gailey's uh, new My favorite hero. person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just like, well, if billionaires are going to do it, then our, the answer is for us to become billionaires and do it too. Um, but I think the only way that we find a solution ultimately or a number of solutions is to figure out what like the, the core of this uh, is to begin with and how we can remedy that. I agree. I also think that the idea of the court of public opinion having a much lower burden of proof than the actual court is something that's very satisfying for us. It was satisfying and in seeking justice for people who were victims in uh, of sexual harassment. It's more satisfying when we're seeking people who have victimized us in a world that gives us the illusion of meritocracy, but then actually kind of Lucy with the footballs it away from us when it's actually our chance to experience some of that meritocracy. But at the same time, it is something that rules on a set of events that we helped set into motion and that we have participated in. So I think that's a good note to end on. And uh, we have to take a break. I'm glad we solved it (laughs) again. This is like the 10th thing we've solved. Uh, But when we come back, the hills that we will die on. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. And we're back. This is the part of the show where we take really strong stances on things that don't really matter. The hills that we'll die on. First, we have a listener hill. If you want to submit your own listener hill, it's hysteria at crooked.com. Send us a 30-second voice memo. Caroline will listen to it as she listens to all of them, and we'll pick one per episode. Let's get going on this episode's. Hi, Hysteria ladies. The hill that I will die on is that top sheets are mandatory. If you sleep without a top sheet, with just a fitted sheet, and some type of blanket or duvet on top of you, you are wrong and your bed is gross. There are some people who claim, including one John Lovett, who claim that if you have a duvet with a duvet cover, that you don't need a top sheet because you are ostensibly laundering that duvet cover periodically. But if you're telling me that you're washing your duvet cover weekly or even monthly, you are a liar. You're lying. No one does that. And that's why you need a top sheet. If you sleep without a top sheet... 
You're an animal, potentially an American. That's it. <laughs> I am about to go to battle oh, with nice. this hill. I disagree vehemently. Okay. I only sleep with a duvet cover and a duvet. That's it. No top sheet. Top sheets are extraneous. I don't need them in my life. You just raw dog your duvet? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I also mostly don't sleep with clothes. So how do you feel about that, listener? But when you're at a hotel, are you do you like take the top sheet off? No, I leave it on because other people like, have been there. Kind of nice. I'm like, it's fine, but it's not my preference. Oh, well, there's a lot it. of there's a lot of big words in this argument. She said ostensibly, you said uh sheet. Raw dog. I said raw dog. <laughs> you said raw dog. I mean, guys, we're all over the, we're all over the map. No, I, I didn't realize that John Lovett and I feel the same about this, but I do not think you need a top sheet at all. Oh, I don't think so. Is I that disgusting? I, I don't. Sheet. I don't use a top sheet. My bed also might be kind of gross. So, yeah, I think how often I, do you wash that duvet cover? How often do I wash anything? Interesting. Yeah, it's not a. Oh I mean, listen, I have a top sheet, but I'm not saying I wash it a lot. <laughs> but I do have it and I See, do enjoy it. But I like a lot of layers on top sure. of me. You know, like, ooh, a seven layer dip. Makes me. <laughs> that's what I want to um, the look on The look on Bill's face right now is just like one of like. How mm-hmm. do I get these women out of here? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, actually, you know, this is one of, I guess, three hills will die on this week that have to do with beds. Wow. The. Second one that I want to mention is that we had a book event with Alyssa Master Monaco last week Love and her. Tommy, John Favreau and I uh, did a live thing with her and they all did Hills They'll Die On and Tommy's hill that he was going to die on was that beds shouldn't have more than two pillows and he what? said it and it, his wife Hannah was sitting in the front row and he like looked down, <laughs> down at Hannah as he was saying it and it was so, you could tell it was like an intra household issue. He's sure. like, two pillows, two pillows on the bed. <laughs> And after after the show, uh, Josh came up to me and he was like, you know what? I agree with the other crooked wives. I think there should be more than two. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Crooked uh, for pillows. Yeah. We're starting that movement. Exactly. But Grace, I understand that you have a bed related hill that you will die on. Yeah. So this is a good segue, listener, because I have recently I, I have recently come to the conclusion that there has got to be a better way than duvets. And this is the hill that I'm going to die on this week because yesterday I'm over in my bedroom because I had just wash my duvet cover, which I do every three weeks, minimum, usually more than that. And I was trying to put this duvet in the duvet cover and it was tedious and it was taxing and it was hard. And my arms, which are naturally pretty atrophied anyway, were feeling, were feeling it. They were feeling the burn. You're a small person. Small person. Thank you. duvet is real big. Thank you so much. And I understand (laughs) that there are ways of like sushi rolling your way into the, I understand that it's all too complicated. There has to be a better solution than duvets. Now I love a duvet for sure. It keeps me cozy. I like that seven layer dip analogy. Mm -hmm. I like that too. But I, I, there's got to be a better way. And I don't think the comforters are the solution either. If somebody's got a solution, please bring it to my attention. Use a top sheet, idiot. Oh, come That's on. That's my solution. Oh, come you, on. It's way easier and you don't have to wash it as much. It's like, you still have to clean the duvet, though. Yeah, but if you have a top sheet, that just like gives you a little bit of extra time. I, I'm with Megan. I think that you still, you still don't, you're going to wash them the same amount of times. Okay, which well, is minimal. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like listening to you. I'm like, wow, this is really the difference between having immigrant parents and having whole many, many potato famine generations. Here. I think I'm like the lone person who washes their sheets religiously here. I do it once a week. I have to. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. I have to. I'm every I mean, two to three I weeks. Should sure, but oh sure. My God. You guys are disgusting, and I'm never touching you. Yeah. Um. So here's the hill I'm going to die on this week. On a lot of signs for dental offices, there is a motif, Mm -hmm. and it is a tooth that has arms and legs and (sighs) and is happy. A tooth 
that has a face on it. This is the most disgusting thing I can imagine. This is great. Teeth do not have mouths with teeth inside of them. Right. That makes me want to claw my face off the idea of a tooth having a mouth on it and opening it and, the, and there's other teeth inside. It's the most horrifying thing that I've ever seen. It's very a, deep throat. Every when you time put it that way, I haven't yeah. thought about the fun mirror aspect. It's of the, horrible. The smiling tooth. There's mm. one. There's this one dental office that used to be around the corner from where I lived in Brooklyn that had a massive tooth with a big fucking mouth on it, holding a toothbrush like a spear and it horrified I had to avert my eyes every time I saw it there's another one along Melrose here in Los Angeles kind of in Koreatown and I can't look at it it makes me so <laughs> angry dentists stop putting teeth with fucking faces on your signs teeth do not have faces and that is the hill that I will I love it week. it's like a heart carrying a defibrillator like, this is not natural or it's like an eye with an eye on it it doesn't no it doesn't <laughs> no. no I just like a jolly like non-human I, like a I jolly hear that too. like a chair that's like dancing I love that what about a toothbrush with a face on a it toothbrush with, with, that's fine that's okay. fine toothbrush with a face is fine what? anthropomorphic objects that are not single body parts are fine single body parts with faces that is where I draw what the line what about like an arm or I a like hand that. I a like hand. it what no. about just a smile that's fine right no. like a mouth that's uh, smiling just a smile is fine yeah but the tooth with the fucking face oh I, I get you hate. I think this is wonderful Aaron. I approve thank All you right. yeah okay Megan this was inspired by um, one of the articles that we were reading at the Sauce Girl. Uh, <laughs> if you're a grown up, you can't be a picky eater. Like once you hit a certain age, you can have like three things, you know, like I don't want olives, mushrooms and then like a floater. But it can't be like cheese. What's a floater? Maybe like, you know, anchovies one day. But like if it's in a Caesar dressing, sure, I'll, I'm a fucking grown up. I'll, I'll choke it down. <laughs> but people mm. are like... Just being like, no, I don't eat whole things, not based on any sort of health issue, just saying that they don't like oh, meat with bones. I hate when people are like, I don't like chicken with bones. Grow the fuck up. <laughs> and you don't like the idea of eating meat and you should stop eating meat. Yeah, but it's just like you can't you cannot be a 30 year old that's just like, no, I just do chicken fingers and tater tots. I, those I agree. Drive me insane getting medium well steaks. I don't want to go to dinner with you. You trash. But what about ve what about <laughs> vegans? Well, that's fine. They've made a choice that I don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> and they won't come to a restaurant with you anyway. No, I definitely have a lot of vegan friends. I got some pregnant friends. Listen, I'm having to eat with people different than me. But just... <laughs> pickiness for the sake of pickiness. Just feel like she has a yeah. long cigarette drives... Look, man, <sighs> I do the work. It just drives me insane. Your taste buds change every seven years. So how have you not evolved what? at all? Hold on. I don't know. My mom told me that. <laughs> it's got to be true. It's got to be. And Mrs. Gailey said. Peg's a nurse. She said it. It's true. Peg. Oh, we have the, our moms have the I same Peg, Peg, Peg. Love that. I love that her name's Peg. All right. Wait, Kira. you guys have both have Pegs? We both have Pegs. Peggies. I got to marry. Peggy's. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Karen's like, I don't have a I'm not gonna, there's, Karen's no. not going to blow her mom's spot up anymore yeah. than she already did. Come on, guys. <laughs> All right, Karen. My mom's name isn't Peg or me. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All right, Karen, you're up. Fuck Venmo. Oh. Fuck Venmo. I'm done. I'm done. Yesterday, three times, people were like, can I Venmo you? No, you can't fucking Venmo me. Give me cash. Write me a check. 
Venmo is a third party app that is not FDIC insured. I think it is insane that you expect me to give them my my credit card information or my or my or my any sort of bank account information. I don't trust them. I don't know them. I don't know who they fucking are. I don't want more information out about, you know, so that you can pay me eight dollars. I went on a date <gasps> yesterday. Uh, it was shut up. It, I went on a coffee date with this ass fuck who was like literally said at the end of it. He was like, he was like, oh, no, no, you don't need to put in for this seven dollar Earl Grey tea. You can just Venmo me. And no. I nearly threw my entire purse in his face. I was like, first of all, what? Why you pay for the tea? That's the first thing. Second of all. I'm not fucking Venmoing no. you money. Karen, fucking Earl Grey tea. I Holy can't. Shit. Yeah, it was wild. I can't. Holy I just can't shit. with the Venmo. Give me cash. I don't want your fucking Venmo. I don't want to split it with you on Venmo. I don't want to talk about Venmo. If you say the word Venmo to me, I want to smack you in the mouth. I think the real hill here is no more dates with people who aren't going to pay for a cup of tea. And then ask you to pay with Venmo. That's, <laughs> Venmo. That's just woof. woof. I would say go out for drinks like a grown up. I know. I just didn't. I haven't had time. Okay. I haven't had time. <laughs> You're so busy. My, my yeah, guys yeah, like, yeah, you want to yeah. have Sorry. coffee? I'm like, ew. No, no. <laughs> I, I normally, normally I, yeah. But the nights stand up. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. It's it hard. It's hard. And don't invite them to shows. That's men oh, do that all the time. They're nightmare. like, oh yeah, I have this Tinder date here. It's like, what's wrong ew, with both of you? Really? Yeah. The worst. Yeah. You know, the thing I love about coffee dates though, back when I was dating was that they have an expiration time. Cause when I have to pee, I'm like, well, the date's over. There's a, I can, it can last yeah. about 90 minutes. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I got to pee. Well, you can wait for me or no. I like putting a hard out on things mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. if it's a stranger. Don't Venmo him. Don't, don't send him the money. Don't do that. Don't do it. Don't send him the I money. I don't have a Venmo, Megan. Oh, I can't Venmo him. Great. And I didn't, I should have just been like, yeah, yeah, I'll Venmo you. And then never contact him again. But I put down a card. I was like, no, oh. I was like, I put, I was like, I know I'm going to, I'll fucking pay for it here. Fuck you. In my mind, in my mind at that moment, I was like, I will never see. Listen, yeah. I would buy an enemy a cup of tea. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't even have to like you. And yes. I would still fucking pick up the tab on a cup yeah. of goddamn tea. I bet your you server understand? was like, oh, God. I, I mean, you're, yeah, I bet she was like, what is this? Why are we here? This was a great hill to end on. Yeah. Great to die and we're all here with you we are dying so on this much. hill thank you at first i was like i don't know i use venmo all the time but now i'm like in this circumstance yes absolutely 100 will die on this hill yeah um well that's all the time we have kieran grace megan thank you for showing up thank you for hanging out <laughs> <laughs> and also a big thanks to Alyssa master monaco for calling in and talking about the news there will be more hysteria next week Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Here you are. 
BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 